Ryan, Tony, and Chris We can't guarantee that you're gonna look great. But if you wanna stay in shape, well, you better hit the chinwits. Welcome to the Jim Woods Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic. And I'm Tony Marinucci, a.k.a. Tips with Tony. And we are the oh, Jim Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for your registered dietitian. I know. I realized I'm like, yeah. sometimes I say that, sometimes <laughs> I don't. Wait, you're still registered, right, Tony? I'm still registered, yeah. Nice, nice. So uh, today's a, uh, a fun episode, and it's topical because... It is February 13th, which means tomorrow is February 14th, which uh, we will be celebrating the Hallmark holidays of all Hallmark <laughs> holidays, which is Valentine's Day. I hate Valentine's Day. It's <laughs> my least favorite holiday. So like Ryan's, Ryan's funny. I was like, so what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? He's like, oh, we're going to Plataforma, the Brazilian steakhouse. I'm like, wasn't my idea. Right? I'll take so, it. <laughs> and, and my wife's paying for it. So oh, double wow. bonus. I don't have to pay for it either. Nice. So, uh, Tone, how many of the last some odd Valentine's days have you had a boyfriend? Um, the last one I did. The one before that, I don't think I did. And then, yeah, like probably like every other. Every other. Yeah. Does it does it bug you on uh, on a Valentine's Day when you're not in a relationship? No, I'm you not in one tomorrow, and I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually happy about it. Like, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, no, not at all. It's like a day for, I'll probably, I'm actually getting my apartment cleaned, and I'll order in food and probably have a glass of wine. Nice. And do some work. See, I'm like contrarian, so like the thing is like, I feel like I'm nice all the time, so why do I have to specifically like be a good person and get candy or flowers on this one day. So I get mad. I'm really angry about it. So it's like, I shouldn't have to do it. Well, because but that's I still just the to. way it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, but I wish, I wish it wasn't, but, uh, but yeah, you kind of have to play, play the game. Unfortunately. Yep. No, you do. That's, uh, and that's uh, what are you going to do for your girlfriend? Yeah. What are you doing? We are going to a concert tonight. Oh, cool. So then probably tomorrow, maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll do anything tomorrow, but we're celebrating it tonight. We're going to uh, a concert. What concert? We're going to see uh, Anita Baker. Okay. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. Classic yeah. R&B singer. Yeah. yeah. Right. So nice. she's great. And she, it's kind of like a sort of a, a uh, that's the sort of concert you would expect yeah. to go to <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for Valentine's Day. Nice. So that should be, uh, that should be fun. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, um, I, well, Tony, so how was your trip to Italy? You were. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, amazing. I had so much wine and gelato, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was really, really great. It was a perfect balance between uh, family, friends, and just, like, some time away um, to do a lot of thinking. And back now, I'm working for myself full-time. Yeah, so amazing. I took a little trip before. Now I'm, like, hitting the ground running, trying not to get sick because I'm already <laughs> pushing myself <Yeah>. too much. <laughs> so if you had one crown jewel moment of the trip, what do you think it was? Quality time with my dad's family, which is another story in itself. But basically, the short version is my dad was adopted as a children as a child and got reconnected with his actual blood, like half brothers wow. and sisters. And so, I've met so many different family members um, that I had met six years ago when we they rekindled. But every time I go to Italy, I meet new family, and it's just really, really awesome. Wow, that is that is cool. I have family in Italy that I've never met. Really? Yeah, maybe one day I'll uh, I'll hunt them. What down. part? Uh, who knows where, but probably in Sicily. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, we shall see. Cool. 
All right. All right. Well, um, I guess to the episode before we get before we get into our interview, we got a couple of interesting studies. Uh, so let's see. The first study, um, I like this study because it kind of shows you why you can't always like put all your eggs in in one basket when it comes to these studies. And and, uh, and in this case, it's a situation where it's very likely that that actions were enacted because of a potentially bad study. Um, so the study like negates a bad study. So so uh, I'll explain now. Um, so it's from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And so basically it has to do with testosterone limits for female athletes. So, mm. so basically, so the, the track and field organization, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but of the, the kind of na- the, um, the main track and the international kind of track and field or- organization, um, recently instituted, um, certain rules as far as, um, women, uh, competing. And, um, so basically, you know, so the normal range for testosterone, um, just, uh, and this is just for reference, you're not going to need to know what a nanomole is, but for women, it ranges from 1.2 to 1.9 nanomoles per liter of testosterone. Uh, for give you some ref, some something to reference that against, men would be 7.7 to 29.4. So that's a huge wow. range. Um, now, for the purpose of competition, um, the commission made it so that women must be below five nanomoles per liter six months prior to competition. So basically, if they're above that number, then if they're above that number, then they have to take medication um, in order to bring themselves below that number. Um, so it, it, in order to compete internationally. Um, so now then a couple other important things. So se- basically seven out of a thousand elite women athletes have what would be c- classified as high testosterone then. So above that number. Um, and then there was a, basically a research study that claimed that women with high testosterone, so above the 5% or 5 um, nanomoles per liter, performed 3% better than women below that number. So based on that study, that is where the, um, the commission basically instituted those rules. So you kind of took one study and then, then instituted these rules. So now this particular study you know, from the university, the, you know, at the University of Colorado at Boulder, basically what they did is they took the data from, that, from the study. So they took all the, all the data from the study and they also, you know, basically uh, the information from that study was based on a, a few different races. And they were able to kind of, um, you know, take the information from the races and from the uh, studies. And what they found was what what they termed, um, you know, a lot of errors and anomalies, you know, in the data. And basically they found that the actual research paper, the initial original research paper was so erroneous that it should be retracted. Um, And they found things like duplicate times were used. Um, Athletes that were banned for doping, their numbers were still used in the study. So, for example, let's say you were part of the study and you you tested at higher than like five the five nanomoles per liter, but then you it was found out that you were doping. Theoretically, you should be taken out of the you know out of that because sure. you're you, you were doping already. So, you, of course, you're going to have high testosterone. So, so basically, what they what they came, their conclusion was seventeen to thirty two percent of the study was in error. And so, you know, for, from their for, from their perspective, they that whole study should be retracted, and they need to rethink, you know, the rules basically. Um, and so, you know, it's an, it's again interesting study. Um, you know, I haven't got you know haven't seen a retract you know reaction to that yet. Um, so I don't know how the commission will react or how you know the original study, you know, people originated. But that that's the importance of um, replication in studies and why we we always are, you know even accurate, if doing yeah accurate and, and just why we we can't always you know one study does not a uh, scientific you know 
principle make you know mm-hmm. we need we need as much information and we need to replicate uh, you know in order to really get more information this is a great example to me because it shows like bad you know let's assume that this new study is accurate you know bad study led to real world um changes which may have been wrong and so you know it's, and we've actually seen that in many in many facets of life yeah. where something that was considered scientific or accepted was used, you know, as sort of the accepted norm, and, and other decisions were made based on that. Yeah. Like one that is completely not uh, the you know, same, uh, you know, not fitness related, but basically, uh, I remember hearing that there was a, a guy that, base that he could determine what his dogs were saying, yeah. <laughs> and he was used in court trials. Yeah. Where like dogs were either witnesses or not to a, a, a so-called crime, and they and they took his word, and decisions were made. But it turns out that he was completely full of it; that yeah. he had there was no science behind it, and he was he was debunked in the future that he was he was a fraud. Mm-hmm. But people made decisions based on his word because they believed it to be true and yeah. it was accepted. So now I have one question about. The initial study. I know that you didn't. You your report was yeah. on the subsequent yeah. study. So the not allowing or or, or making or forcing women to take a medication yeah. to lower their testosterone if yeah. it was above the five moles or whatever it is. Here's my question about that: Is that because anything for a woman above that? Would be cons- she would have to be doping, so it's no, the counteract. No, no, no. It, because it seems relatively unfair if someone is naturally okay. So that that was the question I was going to ask. Be like, oh, you're six foot. You can't play basketball above six foot five. So that was that was advantage. actually the, that was Sorry. The, that was the question I was going to ask both of you guys next. Is regardless of that, the the idea then is you know there is a you you have an advantage if you're above that number. So we're going to, uh, you know, and, and there are other, you know, there's some other issues, um, kind of more social issues around it um, that, you know, it's not worth getting into because that's a whole podcast in, in itself. But, the, you know, I, I, I guess I'll ask both of you guys this question. Um, should it matter? Let's say, let's say above five, you do have a significant statistical advantage as a woman or as a man, because you could do, you could argue the same thing. Sure. Um, I guess I'll ask you this first, Tony. What do you think? Is it is it right to require women then to reduce their testosterone levels? Well, I think if it naturally a woman has yeah. a lower te- amount of testosterone, the question is, is why do they have more? I think there might be like something going on. Are they, are they taking no, something? They're trying to do it to prevent. Well, no, I, well, what I think saying in just no, no, naturally occurring. If you instances, yeah, if oh. you naturally have higher testosterone, like so, if you just if you're just one of the women that like you're just naturally high testosterone, even if it does give you an advantage, is it fair to require you to take something to bring your testosterone? Now, so let's, uh, let's assume that that first study is right, and I'll, you know, I'll even for you know to be kind of. Um, what, 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 if are, it's what, definitely natural, then no, that's not. No, right. it's not right. But okay. if yeah, but if if. if I guess the question is, how do you prove if it's natural? Well, I mean, you, I, I, you know, obviously, like the cheaters are always going to be a little bit of a step ahead. Um, but I mean, there. Are, let, let's say for the sake of argument that you can prove that it's natural that they have. Then no, because some people just naturally are better. Yeah, at, absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah like, so uh, that you know, we don't make. We don't yeah. try for parity, and even with men, like you're. There's no argument that if a man comes in with like a, I don't know, fifty nanomoles per liter, or whatever of. Uh, 
of, of testosterone, like that they're going to be, you know, that they're going to ask them to take, you know, something to reduce the testosterone level. So I just found, was wondering, like, what's the, is that fair to even require that, even if that is the it's case? It's not only is it unfair, but it's, it's, it's prejudice, prejudicial, and it's actually disgusting, if you ask me, mm-hmm. because the whole point of being an athlete is, guess what, you're better than everyone else. Maybe not in every aspect of life, but you're a better athlete, right? And then of the athletes, you're a better athlete, right? So your natural gifts is is a big to do of why you're there. If you're maybe you're if you're taller, like it's an advantage from playing certain sports like basketball. If you're more explosive, it's a certain it's an advantage for certain sports. If you have very low twitch muscle fibers that allow you to run forever, it's an advantage. If you if you're very flexible, it's an advantage. Those are natural gifts course you have to work on them as well but those are natural gifts it's like saying well let's just even the playing field well it doesn't work like that it's you know it it, it, life and sports is a meritocracy and you get to use it really for anything in life it's all oh you're smarter guess what so now you have to take medication that makes you dumber so that you Mm -hmm. can compete with the rest of the world so you don't have an advantage it's 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 really prejudicial it's not fair it's 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 really actually disgusting so that they would force someone to do that which makes me think that they're they were doing it to try to to counteract so so okay i think that that may be another part so now let's let's add a second caveat let's say we're in a situation where we really can't catch people doping but we can try to correct for it by at least limiting people to under five you know, nanomoles. So now does that, would you be okay with it? Nah, if you're in a situation where it helps not, to combat that's doping? That's not fair. Still not fair. Puni- you know, uh, punish everyone to get at the few that are, or we don't know, it could be a lot, but to get at the people that it's not, it, it, it's, it's not their job to, well, I don't believe to punish everyone. It's their, their job is to catch the, the perpetrators. Mm. It's like, you know, it's like saying it's it's almost like you know racist police tactics. You know, so you know a, a a black person was accused of the front crime, so let's just hoard in tons of black people. That's to me what it almost feels like. It's completely wrong, and it's it's not fair to do that. Fair. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we got one one more study. Uh, so this one. Um, so have either of you guys ever had plantar fasciitis? Everybody no, I ha- I I, yeah. I know what it is. I don't have okay. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you might be. I hear that it's thing. really annoying. Yeah. So it's basically inflammation of that kind of band that connects the heel and the toes, and uh, it can be pretty painful. Uh, you know, it's not generally not like, you know, you know, it goes away after some time. But there's no kind of consensus on treatment. Oh, sorry, I, I don't want to. And, and just to interrupt you. For my previous statements, it, it was not towards you know derogatory towards police officers i know that the majority are are you know <laughs> law abiding and they don't do you know things wrong i was just using a, an example that oh but it's a great seen, example because i've never seen, i've never robbed past. anybody and i've been stopped and frisked like six yeah. times so sure. I just, <laughs> so to I, be I fair no, I mean, i'm not anti yeah no no we're not and i think just, i think in general most general are good but with using. anything you're gonna have some bad and uh unfortunately when the bad has a certain level of power it um it enhances kind of the wrong from it and so yeah. but no but i mean that like that that isn't in a way in a weird way it does kind of connect because again like I've never committed, you know, I've never done anything. I can't say I can never commit a crime. I've walked and I've, remember, I've done some drugs in my, you, you bought, but like, <laughs> remember when you stole a CD and they like, <laughs> yeah, when I was 16, <laughs> the thing and they like made you feel really terrible. And yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. When I was like 15. Allowed to do that. Yeah. But no, they couldn't arrest you that way. I don't, I don't remember. You could have just gotten up and left. But, um, <laughs> but regardless as an adult, <laughs> you know, but, but I've been stopping for a bunch of times when that was, um, illegal. And it's kind of one of the things it's like, uh, you know, is that right to, you know, kind of accost the, you know, 90% or 99% that aren't, 
doing anything wrong to try to catch that small percent. I mean, there there are moral, you know, and I guess ethical arguments you can have on either side. Um, but I can tell you that being on the on the wrong side of that, it sucks, and you know, I don't like it. So anyway, but no, but I don't think anybody thought you were trying to disparage police. Um, back to plantar fasciitis. So. Basically, there's no real like kind of consensus on the treatments. There are a variety of different things, whether it's PT, um, cortisone shots. Uh, so what this one did was this actually compared. Um, let's see if I get the the right name. Uh, Platelet-rich plasma, um, kind of therapy, with cortisone shots and then a placebo. So basically, the study had 90 patients, 30 in each group. So there was. The, well, let me get the platelet, platelet-rich plasma. So what, what is that? So basically, you know, you know, your blood, right, is your liquid, uh, the plasma that contains um, basically red, red blood cells, right, white cells, and platelets. And platelets help with clotting, but they're also really helpful for injury repair. So basically, the way that this therapy works is they draw your blood, and then they separate out the platelets and use a centrifuge to um, increase the platelet count. And then they re-inject it back in. So in this case, they, the uh, study had three groups. So you had the 90, 30 in each group. So you had the platelet group, the cortisone group, and the placebo. And what they found was that after three weeks, the cortisone sh- uh, group felt better. So also their, the test was um, their kind of pain assessment. And so the cortisone group actually felt less pain after three weeks. But... Oh, and I guess I should add one more part. So they tested them one week, three weeks, then three, six, 12, and 18 months later, you know, in those intervals. So again, three weeks later, cortisone wins. But between three and 18 months, the platelet group won, or kind of, they, they saw the most benefit. They had the less, least pain. And in, in addition to less pain, uh, the cortisone was much more likely to repeat treatments and or get surgery um, for the issue, and uh, you know obviously compared to you know the, the placebo was the lowest on you know on, on all of those. So um, you know it's interesting. So I guess the you know the idea now is to figure out why is it that the platelet group you know had the longer lasting effect. So I guess the the idea would be then that the cortisone works as far as pain reduction, so it helps with dealing with the pain, but it's not fixing what's fundamentally wrong with the foot. So that's why you're gonna down the road need surgery again or need uh, another cortisone shot where it seems as if the the PRP therapy actually helps to repair something and so that it's doing something structurally that's fixing it so you know that's kind of the next step is to see okay what about this is you know is actually causing you know fixing the issue with the plantar fasciitis because it is a very common issue uh, as you sure. said girlfriend and, and amongst runners and yeah, plenty yeah. of people it's, so. it's funny it's like one of those things where you, you've never heard of it, and then all of a sudden, like now, lots of athletes and just regular people, it's now become a common thing. Yeah. So it's right now. So of course, when that happens, you're wondering how to treat it. So this could be very valuable. Yeah. I'm sure they're still doing research and still yeah. looking into it. Well, and it's been used as treatment for lots of different, you know, different injuries. Um, I, you know, I don't know what the status is in the U.S. Um, as far as using it, but I know that people were going, you know, for certain, all kinds of injuries were going to kind of other countries where. So. Uh, Interesting. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but is it, is it, and perhaps it's just I'm not. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in that field, uh, but we 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 dabble in it because of the podcast. So it seemed to me like injuries like plantar fasciitis, uh, issues with the with the you know inflammation 
issues have really become the norm. Like they are so common. I, and I probably always, I don't believe that it's something that it just popped up all of a sudden, but perhaps we are, are, we are more aware of them. That there are all of these injuries that you can't really put a, you, you can't really pinpoint it. It's like there was no acute injury. It's not like, oh, you know, I, I, someone ran over my foot and that's the cause of the injury. They are just these injuries that pop up that are either inflammation or, or something that are sort of very hard. It's like I remember I went to a doctor. I had it, it, terrible issues with my hand. My hands were hurting. And he's like, well, what do you do? He's like, well, I play a lot of guitar and I do a lot of grappling. He's like, well, there's the reason. You have, you have tendinitis. You have inflammation in your hand. You have strep. And it's like there was no, there's no cure. There's no, he, there's no even real diagnosis. It doesn't mean anything. It just means your hand is sore. Is basically, and there was. Have you guys noticed that about a lot of, uh, like a lot of these injuries that there's, they're sort of they're general that they you can't really pinpoint them. There's not necessarily a cure, and it's just sort of like, well, do some exercise, do some physical therapy, right? Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, we tend to be like over overdoers overachievers mm -hmm. like we're either on our feet too much or we might be like practicing our guitar too much or whatever it is and i i actually think it's a wonderful thing our body's way of telling us like slow down mm. like your body will always tell you when it's like time to just like take a break that's how i view it i don't think that there always needs to be like a cure for everything yeah. it just has to be your like let's listen to my body and respect it yeah i agree with that i think uh, i think there's a combination of of factors so i part is like i think it's hard for us to know what injuries were like you know and how how often people were getting certain kinds of injuries um is a question of kind of what was being misdiagnosed how much you know what was the culture like did people at you know certain points just you know say like you know screw this i'm just gonna you know uh, it, you know i'm not gonna go seek medical attention for this pain or that pain um yeah and again like i said you know what what's being misdiagnosed what um what's a product of uh, you know our own society, you know, that, you know, humans, you know, I don't know how fast we evolve relative to the world around us, but kind of as creatures, um, you know, the way that we were not designed, or at least I don't want to say designed, but the way that we, we've developed um, and adapted to deal with the world, I don't know how quickly the, the human race kind of adapts to meet the changing world around us. And if you consider the just how much has changed in the last 10 years, let alone last 50, 100 sure. years, I feel like the, the changes in the world certainly outpace the, the speed at which the, the body evolves. So I think that there are a lot of kind of growing pains, I guess, so to speak, just evolutionarily that we have to deal with. So there are going to be injuries and, and um, things that we wouldn't deal with if we are living the lives that we lived 500 years ago or a thousand years ago and you, you can put that with also yeah with, with the prevalence of sports and 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 the the divide between activity and inactivity that we where you know again five, 50 years ago 100 years ago you know especially if you're kind of working class you're you're much much more active uh, for your work you're up much more you're moving around much more you're interacting with the world much more so and there wasn't the leisure time and leisure activities pro you know weren't gonna have to be you didn't have to work out because your life was kind of gonna be was more active mm -hmm. so i think that where we live these lives where we're very sedentary but then we mix it with these with these you know very intense 
bouts of movement and exercise and I don't and how does that interplay with the body I think there's a lot of the you know, a lot of those questions so you know I don't know how much more or less it is than than before but I think that you know the kind of prevalence of these injuries kind of makes sense because I just can't imagine that that the humans are evolving at the rate that our world kind of has been changing especially over the last hundred years or so yeah yeah and of course uh, where the gym wits comes in is that with a lot of these injuries and or pains come the the, the, the cures and the fixes for them. And as we know, a lot of them are, uh, you know, or a lot of them are snake oil. And that any issue that will arise, someone will come up to sell you some product or service that's going to fix whatever ails you, yeah. right? And that's not a new thing either. So. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, let's get to, um, ready, we did a quick, a long intro. Uh, so let's get to our interview. We got a really cool interview. Why don't you tell people what we have on tap? So Tony was telling me, well, I know someone, she is a, a dating and relationship uh, coach and expert, and she, she, we should have her on the gym with us. I was like, that's awesome, let's do it as a Valentine's Day show, and yeah, it was, it was great. And just a couple, of, uh, you know, a couple of things before we get into it, right? This is her, th- this is based on uh, the information she's gathered, her research, so some of it borders on psych- uh, on psychi- psychology and psychiatry. So I liked a lot of what she had to say, but just so that you know that, that this is these are her views and what, what she's come up with, and also that she is uh, an expert w- w- when it comes to to the women's side of things. I would love to have a relationship expert that deals with more of the side of things, you know, when it comes for men. So that'll definitely be down the uh, down the pike. You guys want to anything you want to add before we get into it? No. So I thought it was amazing, and she she had some really cool stuff. So here is our interview with Melissa. Hey everyone, we are here with Melissa Ledger. Hey Melissa, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Certainly can't complain. Well, I guess I could always complain. I'm in New York. <laughs> That's what we do. But <laughs> but really, I shouldn't be complaining. So Melissa is a relationship dating advice coach, right? Did it, is, that, is that correct? Is, That's is that correct, a, a yes. proper title? And I think it's perfect because it's just in time for Valentine's Day. Yes. So we'll be asking you all the, the juicy stuff. But before we, we get into uh, all the good juice, we are a, a fitness and health podcast. So we, we always like to ask about our uh, guests' fitness background and or their journey whether you were super fit or you played sports as a kid or maybe later in life you got into working out in one way or another so tell us about that okay so you know as a kid I did volleyball basketball cheerleading soccer for one season which was miserable because I was a horrible soccer player but um and you know I was very active but somewhere I don't know in my early 20s I think corporate america got to me and I started kind of packing on extra weight and you know probably about a year and a half ago I found myself at my heaviest weight and I really just I had always worked out but it just felt like I could never really get consistent weight loss. And I would just, I would try it for a while. And then I felt like I was working so hard and then not really getting the results that I was looking for. Looking back, I was just, you know, we, we just had so much misinformation. And so, uh, and I also just wasn't doing a workout that I really loved. So about a year and a half ago, 
uh, within the last year and a half, um, I lost 40 pounds in about, about a year's time. And I started ballroom dancing, but ballroom dancing was just like the inspiration to, I had, I had a deadline. I was going to be performing and competing and being on a stage. And I just loved that. I just thrived under that, having that deadline. So it really forced me to, I started walking. I live in New York city as well. So I would walk to the studio and I would walk home. And then I, then I was like, my gosh, I need more, but the dancing and the walking, just that getting active and doing something I really loved inspired me to go to the gym and start lifting weights. And then I actually hired someone to prep my food and I still have someone prepping my food every week because I just hate doing it. I'm not a cook. I have so much work I do from 5 a.m. until I fall into bed at 9 p.m. or 10. And so that has been the game changer that managing diet. Uh, And now I really just love the gym. I love I take I go to Equinox now. I take classes. I'm still dancing, preparing for another competition this summer and so, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And, and I think yeah. you've hit on all the Jim Witsian points to being <laughs> healthy and staying fit is find mm-hmm. something you love to do. Give yourself a goal or a deadline. Right. And then, of course, mm-hmm. make sure that you're you you have your food prepared, that you you don't just wing it, that you you have a, a plan when it comes to eating. So you yes. hit on all the points and it seems like you're doing well with that. Now, speaking of you mentioned the uh, you know corporate America and your, uh, your profession. So speak to us a little bit about uh, what you do and then maybe a little bit of how you got into being a dating relationship coach. Yeah. So full-time I'm banker by day and I am a relationship expert and enthusiast by night or every lunch hour, everywhere I can fit it in between. It's my passion, my obsession. And it really just started about 10 years ago. I just had a really bad heartbreak and it was that one relationship where I was like, okay, that's it. Something is off. This, this pattern keeps happening. I'm over it. I've got to figure this out. And so I I was like, that's it. I'm going to therapy people. (laughs) I was like going to a therapist seemed like this is, it's, it's bad enough. I'm going to get help, which is just funny to me now because it's the one thing I recommend everyone does. But for me at the time, that was like a huge deal to sit in front of someone and, and admit, I I felt like this failure. I was like, what is wrong with me? I need to know why I'm attracting the wrong men. And so that started the journey. And through that journey, I ended up developing this whole concept called gumball love and, and it's really long to go into, but the basics are, I realized I was attached, I was attracting attention seeking men and it borders on narcissism, but a lot of guys weren't, you know, then they say, which I feel like is a higher percentage, but narcissists are only 1% of the population. But I feel like there's an in-between and that's what I call gumball love where people are seeking the sugar high of attention And they are not satisfied with developing long-term connection. So if I meet, I was meeting men that really loved the sugar highs of all the attention, the excitement, the, um, oh, what's it called? Infatuation, all of those things that were happening. And I was interpreting their intensity from the high they were getting from the attention as actually connecting with me. And so when they would pull away or they would cheat or they would start acting different, I would think it was me and I would work really hard to fix the relationship. But I, what I actually was, what was actually happening is the high from all those sugar rushes were wearing off and they weren't really developing a true connection. 
And this is what I talk about is the difference between healthy relationships, people that are married, they can do everyday life. They can do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where the gumball person, and there are gumball girls and gumball guys, they are always looking for the next quick fix or the person that's looking at their phone when you're telling them an important story. They're, they're just not able to really connect with you. And I know we all do that. That's just a quick example. But it's like that person who always changes the subject away from you or they're, they're not really paying attention or you feel like you're always there for them and they're not there for you. So that's your gumball person. They may not be a bad person. They may not be a narcissist. But if we continually date these kinds of people, we're always doubting our own sense of self-worth or we're questioning it. And that's what happened to me. I would just get lower and lower. My self-esteem would just constantly get beat up because as I experienced their quote unquote rejection or lack of getting high or stimulated from, you know, cause I, you can't get high twice off the same things. Like, you know, these guys would lose interest because they needed another stimulant of some kind. And you're only able to do so much for one person. And then they lose interest if that's really what they're getting from it. And it, it gets very deep, but I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So, but I discovered this because I just got obsessed with trying to understand my own pattern. So I had to do my own work, my own therapy. And it's just crazy to me that this concept came out of it. Cause I would consider myself the last person to develop a relationship theory. Like I, I just, it's like, it still shocks me to this day. So where, so I, I'm really interested in that. I definitely would like to get a little bit more into it, but I guess, um, once you make that discovery, I think, you know, obviously the, the next step is to, to make the corrections for yourself and, and fix it. So how, as somebody who is a banker, and, and, and I'm assuming, a, you know, being a banker is a very stressful, high, you know, intense job. How do you then make the decision and that and the kind of transition to, you know, also being a relationship coach? Like, how do you make that more than just, you know, fixing yourself, but actually trying to do that for other people? Um, what do you mean exactly? How do I make the so, transition. Yeah, oh, so, how did no, I just, start just for you, Yeah. Just for you personally, like, where do yeah. you, like, what, where did you make that decision that, you know, okay, I'm going to eat, you know, in, in addition to my kind of day job, I'm going to start to help people too. You know, that, that, yeah. you know, that there, cause yeah. Cause for most of us, it's like, you figure it out for yourself and you just, you fix yourself and you know, life is great, but to, to actually right. decide, okay, I'm going to help other people, you know, while I've got a, a stressful, you know, a career that, that requires a lot of my attention. Like where, what, what for you caused that kind of, um, that, you know, kind of, um, facilitated that decision. You know, as I look back, it's really interesting. And I, I think for every single one of us, this is true where your actual passion and your life's purpose shows clues very early in life. I remember even in high school saying to people, boy meets girl and falls in love. Like, how does that happen? What are the dynamics? I was just always fascinated by how it actually works. Like the chemicals that are releasing, like, what does it actually mean? What's actually going on? And so I remember having an interest in high school and then, you know, it was just, I, I, I bought books about this all the time. Like I had this, I realized I had this huge relationship library that I would hide when guys would come over. I was dating. I was like, oh my God, I can't have them see that. I have all these relationship books, but I was just fascinated by it. And then in 2004, the book, He's Just Not That Into You came out. And that was fascinating to me. I had not gone to therapy, hadn't even started, but that was almost at the very beginning of me kind of thinking about this. I was like, wow, he's just not that into you. That concept really shook women in America. It was a huge bestseller. Uh, Greg Bernhardt was featured on Oprah and it was like this, but I remember thinking, yeah, but what about when he acts into you? And then 
he pulls away. Like he shows all the signs that he's into you, but then, so the book was like kind of an answer, but it still wasn't enough. So I just had this genuine curiosity. So when I discovered this concept gumball love and this whole thing got created, just my family and friends, we started saying, oh, he's a gumball guy. He just wants the attention. We'd be in social situations and we'd watch people like disengage and then we'd give them a gumball, so to speak. We'd give them attention, give them a compliment, make it about them. And then we'd watch them like, hey, they'd come back into the conversation. They're all happy again. It was like, wow, that is a gumball guy. And so just my family and friends, like we just started saying this. And then it just became a thing. Oh, gumball guy, gumball girl. Oh, there's the gumball. I mean, we just kept saying it. And then I just kept doing research and I, it's just my, the way I work. And I just wish I could tell you, oh, I had this epiphany and I realized I was just going to share it with people, but it was just over time. And then pretty soon I had these post-it poster, sorry, poster size post-it notes all over my walls. And I felt like this mad scientist trying to figure out, okay, but why are we so attracted to these attention seeking people? Like, what is it? What makes this guy so, you know, uh, like irresistible and how do we get so enamored to where we can't forget about him and what, what is going on? Like I couldn't find, I was actually looking for the person who had written the book so I could just have the answer and move on with life. Like you said, but I couldn't find the answer. And when I realized, I guess that is, that is the answer to your question. When I realized that the answer I was coming up with wasn't in any other book or no other psychologist was talking about it. That's when I realized I've got to tell, I've got to share this with people because as I kept sharing it with other women, I was watching them go, Oh yeah. Yes. I, my husband is a gumball guy. My boyfriend is a gumball guy. And, and I was seeing how it was helping them. And so that's, that's how I knew. So I just kept going. So, okay. So I'm curious. Yeah. why is it that women do tend to continue to fall for the gumball? Like, is it like, at what point does the woman take responsibility for it? Like, is it something that they're doing or is it really just the, the man that they, you know, like, I'm just curious on that. aspect. Yeah. It's actually when, when someone gets so high off of attention, they are super intense and it's easy to just say that like, Oh, he's intense. And it was super, but that intensity when it's you and him and you are having these incredible experiences where you really feel like, Oh my gosh, he's falling in love with me. He's so into me. Somebody really sees me. Like you really feel that special. I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm loved, I'm appreciated. And it's, it's like, it's so intoxicating for you. And you really feel like you're, you're falling in real love. And so when you realize, and then when he abruptly pulls away, sorry guys, there's such loud sirens here. I feel like we're, we're, there's like, New York. we're wondering yeah. whether it's coming from you or from us. Oh really? I know. It's <laughs> we, like, we, we joke about that almost every episode, how the sirens come and they get us. Okay. Right. It sounds pretty good here. I don't think good, we're, yeah. we're here, not hearing anything. We're good now. Okay. okay. So, uh, we were talking about, the, that intense, basically the reason that we are so drawn to it is because the experience with what I call the gumball guy or guys experience this with women that they, they are. And I believe that a lot of times they really, really believe they're falling in love. They really, really believe in what's happening in the moment. And they don't understand that they're not really making a true connection with someone. They're not falling in love with the quirks of that person. They're not falling in love with who they are because usually 
They're not spending time with your family, with your friends. They're not getting to know you, understand. And, and so, and sometimes they are really kind of asking, they are asking questions. I mean, I can tell you all my gumball guys, they know everything about me yet. It was a struggle for me in conversations to get them to focus on me. A lot of, a lot of the relationship of what I thought was really building this beautiful connection is what I call the schmoopy schmoopy lovey dovey, where it's like, you're cute. No, you're cute. And you're, it's like, it's like the bachelor or the bachelorette, you know, they're just making out forever. And that, and it's, it's, it's very intoxicating and it's super fun. Like that's a major high. All those chemicals are releasing in the brain, but a healthy person can have that experience. And then it just gradually moves toward building a longer term connection where they're, they know, okay, I'm not going to have butterflies every time you walk in the room, but I'm now bonded to you. So I'm, and now that infatuation grows into love or gumball love. It's all about the infatuation. And once that's over, that person has a really hard time moving forward in the relationship without the high. Interesting. And it, it, uh, it, uh, makes me think of uh, a story that, uh, that my girlfriend told me recently about her friend uh, who was basically, she's seeing a guy, she flew to Europe to see him and he is exactly that type. Every time they have an issue, it's always because the attention wasn't paid to him. Like something very innocuous happened where he had told her that he had business to do so he wouldn't be available for a few hours. So she made a, uh, a sort of a, a coffee meeting with one of her friends, hang out for while he was working. Then it turns out that he's not working and that he – that. You know, he wants to meet her friends now all of a sudden after really never showing any interest in that. And she was like, well, you know, this is sort of our, our girl chat time. It's only for an hour or so. I'll meet you afterwards. And he threw a fit, basically, and it really held a grudge for almost two days. And it just sounds like that. And every issue she's had with him is because he wasn't the center of attention or something mm -hmm. like that. So I don't know if he, he sounds – so much like the gumball that you're referring to. Yeah. Like when you were when you were mentioning that, it just like lit up, and we're like thinking, "What's his deal? Is he moody? What he has issues?" It's like, "Oh, he's a gumball. It's perfect. That's yep. exactly that's exactly who he is." Yeah, he's not getting his gumball. I know. I have to clarify because people are like, "Is the guy the gumball?" And we've we've ended up saying he's a gumball guy because he wants the gumball. Yeah. He wants the sugar high. He wants. He's not getting. He he isn't able to pacify himself. Like if you tell. I know Tony, like you tell Tony or I, Hey, I'm going to be gone for an hour. We're like, cool. We'll yeah. sit in a coffee. We can sit in a coffee shop for five hours, you know, like go ahead. You know what I mean? Like that is just, that's not even, that's like, actually you're like, that's giving me a treat, but like for an hour just to, to, to entertain myself, like that's nothing for, for normal people. So if someone's throwing a fit, you have to realize, okay, I have to keep him. It's like, he's saying, entertain me. And if I'm not entertained, by you. I can't do it by myself. I mean, sometimes we have to kind of separate the anger we have for them and just really look at what he's asking. He's saying, if you leave me by myself and no one's focused on me, then I am a little boy. I'm throwing a temper tantrum. And that's when you realize the gumball guy is a boy. He's not a man. He's not mature. So the lovey-dovey part is easy, but the actual relationship part I mean, it is work, but if you're an adult and you're grown up, then you understand this part. You're not, 
you're not confused by work that comes in the relationship. This is just part of what you know. You know, yeah, I'm going to work if I'm staying over at their place. We're going to maybe clean the apartment or we're going to order food or we might organize a closet one day. You know what I mean? It's like stuff that regular couples do. This is like foreign to a gumball person because this is not entertaining. It's not about them. So things that they're not into, they get really fussy which causes the other person to be then constantly worried, like, okay, is this going to be okay? Is he going to be mad? Is, he, is this, is this going to be entertaining enough? Because if they're bored, it, they're miserable to be around. Yeah. So, so I guess a question, I guess of a, a kind of a micro question and then a larger one is I, kind of when Justin mentioned the reaction, my, my thought would be that the kind of gumball guy would, might become more withdrawn and distant and maybe, you know, most want to spend less time because, you know, whether they're, they're cheating or they're seeking the attention elsewhere, they, when they're not getting the attention they, they require, or, or also I think not even the attention, but maybe the effects of it um, wears off. So they might be getting attention, but it's just not hitting the same spot. Um, I guess, you know, my question is, is, is it more likely the first person be, become withdrawn or do they lash out at the person and say you're not giving me enough attention or, or something's not right? And then I guess the second question, which also ties into this, would be kind of what are kind of signs and I guess symptoms of it? Like what, what, what are you going to look for if, if, you know, if, if you have somebody in a relationship that is kind of the gumball guy or gal like that, that you, you know, thinks to be aware of with that type of a person? Yeah, great questions. So will they withdraw? Absolutely. And a lot of times they withdraw and they don't really understand why. I, I call it, sometimes I call it like the fussy baby syndrome. They get fussy and they, they're like, I don't, they get irritable. And you're like, what is wrong with you? And you don't know how to meet the need. And it's like, no matter, like a lot of times you're trying to pick a color of a gumball. Will a pink gumball work? And they're like, no, that's not the one I want. And then you're like, how about red? How about green? And you, and you're like, dun, 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 dun. You're doing this dance for them. My therapist used to say, you're doing the dance again. You're doing the dance. You're trying to be what he needs. And so then sometimes they'll withdraw. And then when they withdraw, this is why I have a major issue with Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, John Gray, who says the man goes into his cave, which a lot of therapists have said, nobody can go into a cave, man or woman. That's, that's like, I'm in my cave and I'm going to decide when I come out. Not that we don't give people their own personal time, but the way it's written, it's like he goes into his cave and you've got to wait for him to come out. Well, that's a form of control. Like we can't retreat and withdraw and then create a fear of somebody not being able to approach every couple's are freely approaching each other. This, there are this, this, this dynamic, this is also what I did as like, okay, I need to interview hundreds of couples and understand what actually happens when couples are happy with each other. Nobody's going in a cave. Nobody's playing games. They're just not doing this. They don't even, it doesn't even cross their minds to do this kind of stuff. So these are all myths that I work really hard to debunk because it causes a, a lot of women to go, oh, well, now he's withdrawing, so now what do I do? And it, it, it's like and, and if a woman were to do this to a man, all of a sudden she stops talking or they stop texting or they go quiet or if you're, you know, if you're married to them, they, you know, people will say, I, I haven't talked to my husband in three days, like, because this is, a, it's a way to control and manipulate. But I don't think a lot of times they understand why they're doing it. They're not getting that high or that rush. Um, and so you asked a second question. You said, will they withdraw? Um, what was your second well, question? So, I so lost it. The second part was more just what are, there, what are like the other oh. kind of signs of, of somebody who, you know, I guess, 
I guess what are the signs, maybe almost like when you start, when you meet the person, are there signs that you can, you know, are there things you can observe about the person on the first date or even upon meeting them that like, oh, this might not be the right type of guy. Um, but also, I guess what, you know, within the relationship, like what are signs that that person is starting to like the, the, the effect of the drug is starting to wear down and, and that, you know, they may need, you know, they, they, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Like when, when are the effects of yeah. the drug starting to wear down? So red flags right out of the gate. I would say first text messages are lazy. So laziness is first right away. Hi, how are you? H-O-W-R-U, no punctuation. First message like this. And, and it's not about the girl. It's like, this is a guy who has so little respect for himself that he reaches out to a woman he may be interested in dating and he can't even type out a full sentence. Those are immediate gumball guy. He's, he's like throwing quarters out there to see who will bite. Here's a quarter. Will you give me a gumball? So how do you respond? Good. How are you? It's like, who are you, Ron? You know, like I don't even, it's sometimes you don't even know their name. It's like, okay, so how are you? It's like, I don't, I'm I'm not going to tell somebody how I am. I don't even know who they are. So that right away is like really lazy texting, which is epidemic. Like This is going on. I mean, I get them on Instagram. Hi, H I lowercase H lowercase I. I mean, it's just like the so, punctuation. Just kills funny, me. funny story. I got a, I got a text in the morning, uh, one random day, uh, from some guy and it said, Hey, it's Joe or John, whatever. It's Joe from the quad. What's up? Yeah. And and I responded to him by saying, or, or he might have mentioned the girl's name. And I said, "Hey, it's not Rachel or Julie or whatever. It's it's not. But even if I was, I wouldn't respond." Oh and and then I sent him a link to a bunch of uh, of like websites how to text a, a girl who you're trying to court. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah. See, like, what's up? It's like self-respecting men. This is, I, I've really tried to teach this to girls. Like, don't, don't be offended. Be like, wow, this guy does not respect himself enough. Like, this is what he thinks is okay. It's just ridiculous. Or like, don't take a picture of your shirt off in your bathroom with your dirty sink, with your hairbrush and your shaving. Cream. It's like, you know, it just, it's just, this is what they're advertising. This is what they feel is like, this is me with my head cut off in the bathroom or, you know, it's just, or they're sending you the, you know, the nude pictures or whatever. It's like, this is all just immediate like that. We can talk about how gross it is. Or we can talk about how inappropriate, but really it is saying, I need attention. Give me attention. This isn't saying I want to connect with you. I want to build a relationship with you. I want to get to know you. It's not saying any of those things, but women are, we, we are like bombarded when you get into online dating, you're so bombarded by it for so long that you start to lose like perspective of reality. You're like, okay, wait, this isn't, this is not normal, right? This is not okay. Because I would say 99% of the men, that's how they're communicating online, which also makes me feel like online dating I feel like is not a representation of men at all, but I think it's a great hiding spot for these insecure types. They can send messages. They can be really antisocial, but they can hide behind a dating profile. So it just, it just makes that process much easier for the lazier type of guy. So that's like laziness and inconsistency. So even if he sends a great message, but he goes quiet. And this, this is overall, I'm trying to cover like a huge blanket, but I would say inconsistency is probably your next 
biggest red flag because people that respect themselves respect other people and they are respectful of other people's time. So anytime I've gone out with a guy that is a nice guy, but you know, just didn't work out for whatever reason, he was able to send an appropriate message, set up a date, call, have a conversation, make dinner reservations, show up on time, have a great dinner, and then schedule a follow-up. Like these are not hard things to do for normal, healthy people that want relationships. But we have gotten into this like texting world where it's like, again, a self-respecting person that values their time is not going to spend days on end texting someone they don't know. So we have to be careful. We don't get caught up in this because I have a phrase filter like a freak. You have to filter, filter, filter immediately. Hi, how are you? Delete block done. Don't say, well, maybe he's no, maybe he's nothing. He's gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Joe. Bye-bye, Ron. But whoever it's like you, we cannot waste our time on these guys because we start to lower our standard. And then we start to feel bad because we're just like, oh man, there's all jerks out there. Yeah, there's a lot of jerks, but we, we have to set the standard high so that we don't even entertain people that are communicating like this. I, w- I always picture like really high level men, guys like you, like you're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're building a business. Like this isn't, you're not going to reach out to women in this kind of way. Like this is, that wouldn't even be who you are. We, like, that's not even how you're going to want to come across it. You would be embarrassed by this. And so this is where I I'm trying to raise the standard and, and women do this to men too. I just, my audience is mainly women. But when I talk to guys, sometimes guys reach out to me and they're like, do girls do this too? I'm like, absolutely. It's, it's epidemic across. So I would say inconsistency pulling away, um, the, uh, what was the first thing I said? Uh, lazy. So they're lazy. They're inconsistent. They, they ghost for a while and then they come back and when they come back, they're like, Hey, they're, they're, and they're all excited again, probably because they got attention and they're high on something. So they're feeling good about themselves. So the gumball person is always managing. How good do I feel about me today? And if I feel good about me today, I'm super fun to be around. But if I don't feel good about me today, I'm kind of a jerk and I need you to help me. And I'm not sure you're going to pick the right flavor of attention. So they become really high maintenance. But when you catch them on their high, sometimes these people are a freaking blast. Like, they can be the most fun person that you love to hang out with, but they just come with this liability that you're always trying to manage. But once you're aware of it, then you can manage it yourself. Cause sometimes these people aren't even, you're not in romantic relationships with them. They can be coworkers, family members, et cetera. Then you can kind of go, Oh yeah, gumball. And then you assess the mood and you're like, yep, cranky, not getting their gumball fix, not going to engage. Like I have relatives where I'm like, yep, not even going to engage in conversation at this event. Cause I can tell, what that mood is and I, I, it will trigger me. So I just like, I just back out, but I'm telling you just what I said right there. What a superpower that is in my life because without it, I was engaging. I was trying too hard. I was, you know, I was just, I was in my bag looking for the right gumball and trying to make them feel better. I, it just like we, when we are around these kinds of people and we're people pleasers, we tend to take that on when we really shouldn't. Cool. So, so I'll give you 
kind of two scenarios, and I guess I'd want, want, want to know what you think about, you know, how do you approach it? So you have a, kind of one scenario where you have somebody who's in a relationship with a gumball. It, they're fairly deep into the relationship, but they realize that that's what this person is. It, would the advice be, you know, and obviously there, there are a lot more variables and it's more nuanced than just that, but do you think the better choice generally is going to be to just kind of find a way to end it and meet someone else because you're not going to change them? Or is there a way to change them? And then I guess scenario two, which may or may not kind of line up with that is let's say you got somebody who's listening to the podcast and like oh crap i am the gumball how do they go about (laughs) fixing that like you know is there a way you know is it appropriate way to go about kind of not being a gumball anymore yeah i get this question all the time so i would say that it depends on like you said there i think there are a lot of there are gumball people that i think about my very first love very first boyfriend he's a horrible gumball guy. I mean, he just loved attention, but he also really loved his family and he, he had great intentions. I mean, he wasn't what I would consider like a narcissist or a sociopath. He just, he just had such a low self-esteem. Like the root of this is low self-esteem. So, you know, I would say I would look at it like any other addiction. Cause I believe attention is an addiction. So when I say gumball love, I'm saying the love of attention, the love of that sugar high. So I would if you feel like, man, I'm with somebody like this, I would take some time to observe. I tell all my clients, I'm not going to tell you, Oh my gosh, he's a gumball guy. You got to leave now. That's not realistic. So people can't make decisions that fast and, and change their heart. And, and you're going to love them even though you realize it. It's like some, some girls are like, Melissa, how did I not see this? What is wrong with me? It's like, well, because a lot of times they're extremely lovable and they do have incredible traits about them and attributes. I mean, uh, my, one of my gumball guys, I still, I just said the other day, man, I really miss talking to him because I loved his brain. I really did love who he was, but he just was impossible to, to keep happy. So you're still going to have feelings toward them, but you have to assess, like, can I be my best with this person? Are they going to invest in my life? Like, is this person investing in me at all? Or do I just love them? And I know that they love me, but I'm not really getting that support. Like that girl you mentioned where she can't even go with her girlfriends without worrying about him. I call that being the troll in the corner where he's at the coffee shop, but he's trolling out he's getting all like, you know, he's got his arms folded and he feels like he's in timeout. Like that's to, for me, too much of a liability to deal with. Like, I feel like my purpose in my life is more important than dealing with somebody like that on a regular basis, just to say I'm in a relationship or that I'm married. I mean, we all can be married. We all can have relationships. We all can, you know, have that status. However, it's about, is this the best person for me? And so I think you have to just spend time and observe that person and not try to change them. So a lot of times we, we get all this information and we're like, I, I, I can help you, but it's just like a drug addict. Can they change? Absolutely. But they have to realize they have the problem. They have to go to treatment, which I will, I, in my dream for Gumball Love is to have a treatment for these people so that they can see it. But it's a lot for them to face about themselves. So your other question is, someone's like, oh my gosh, am I a gumball person? Am I, a, am I attention seeking? I would say if you're even able to ask that question, then you're already ahead of the game. Because most gumball people are like, they, they immediately think everyone else is the gumball person. <laughs> they never think it's them. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, they want attention all the time. Like they think 
people want attention because they're taking it away from them. So they see attention seeking people as just people that are actually talking about themselves and not about them for a second, you know? So it, it's almost impossible to convince like a real gumball person that they actually have the problem. So, and if they have the problem, even if they do admit it, they are a risk. It's it's, they are a high risk person. They're high risk for cheating because instead of like working when they have to work through a conflict, if you've ever been in a fight with a gumball person, it's like, that's no fun for them. There's no sugar high in a fight. They're like, you're, you're trying to fix something about them. They don't like looking at themselves. And so they can't be introspective or take blame. So you end up really, I've, I, I've looked back, I was apologizing for them just because I wanted to move on. It was like, I want to move on and repair, but they, they weren't able to repair damage. And so a lot of your issues and your relationships just go unresolved because they aren't willing to do the work and, and look at themselves and say, yeah, man, I, I did that. I'm really sorry. And then, and then have this aware, the self-awareness to not do it again. Like, this is what you're battling with the person. They there's make the same mistakes over and over again because they cannot see themselves. So that's what I would observe. Can they ever see themselves? Do they ever repair damage? Is it just once in a while? Do you have a hollow feeling like you're not really being seen, heard? Because a lot of times we're with these people and we don't realize you should be seen and heard and respected. You should feel confident and comfortable and be totally yourself. You shouldn't feel like you have to be managing this other person all the time. Wow, that's uh, it. Just it, it just makes me think of people I've known and past relationships and stuff like that. Ryan is definitely a gumball, right, Ryan? No. <laughs> no, Ryan Ryan's probably anything, but um, so shifting gears a little bit, we are a uh, health and fitness podcast. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about uh, fitness uh, and dating, and then fitness and relationships. So first off, for a uh, woman, and it is for a man as well. What does it show to potential mates when someone is in shape, likes to go to the gym and eat healthy, as opposed to someone who you know, maybe they're young, so they're still relatively healthy or fit, but they don't have great fitness habits? What does it show to a potential mate when someone is really fit and healthy or when someone, when you could see that someone clearly is not? I mean, I think it shows self-love to me. It's like, uh, caring about what you're eating, putting into your body. Um, and for me, health and fitness is about having the energy. Like, I, I pursued ballroom dancing, not because I wanted to ballroom dance. I mean, I did, but I, I needed fitness and I needed the motivation for fitness. Why? Cause I needed the energy because I want to push this message out as much as I possibly can. But I realized when I was 40 pounds heavier, I didn't have the energy. And then I started realizing like, wow, why am I not caring about myself enough to do it? And I realized it was like self-abuse to not eat the right food, choose to not take care of my body. And so I think when we're dating people or, you know, I just, now I, I observe people that, uh, this, I, I, now I see things differently. I'm like, wow, they're, they don't care about themselves. This is a lack of self-love. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that's what it is, but if we love ourselves and our body and you want to be healthy, I, I also don't want to get sick. I don't want to get cancer. I mean, there's just so many people that are getting cancer. It's just epidemic. And 
I'm very mindful of that too. So I just think it says, I love myself. I'm going to take care of myself. And ultimately I want to end up with someone that, uh, has that mindset because when you really fall in love with someone and they're unhealthy, it just weighs on you because you worry that they're going to get sick and, you know, it just takes one health issue. And then your whole life is focused on that. Sure. You know, if you don't have you, if you have your health, you should just run like crazy because you just don't know. It, it's such a precious gift. Oh yeah. And so yeah, I I really just had an epiphany around that. Like, wow, I have perfect health, and I'm not taking care of it. So now I do. I had my blood taken uh, last, like at the beginning of the year, and my doctor was like, "What are you doing?" He's like my resting heart rate was 52. I was like, Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just crazy. Like I, he's like, you are like an athlete. Like, and I was just so proud of myself. Like, man, I've worked really hard to take care of my body and eat the right foods. And now I'm like juicing and drinking greens every day. I mean, it's just, I'm just taking it to new levels, but it really just shows I, I love myself and I'm going to take care of myself because also when you're taking care of yourself, you're able to take care of other people. And so I started to realize I can't take care of other people because I'm not taking care of myself. Mm. I don't have the energy to do it. So it's like kind of reverse engineered. If I want to love on all these other people, I have to love on myself first. Wow. Um, great answer. So uh, I guess the next question is, oh, Tony, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, Sorry. I also think on a practical level, like a lot of people, you know, I am single and people try to set me up with guys and and I, it's not like if their appearance is overweight, I'm not, you know, they might be taking care of themselves, but at the end of the day, like, I know that they can't go for runs with me. They're not going to go to the gym with me. Um, if they're not a healthy eater, like it's the, the, the day-to-day stuff is going to be complicated. So that's kind of like one of my like first things that I kind of look for. Let's be honest. They're just not as hot. <laughs> Come on. We could all say it. It's just, like, <laughs> it's the truth. But no, it's, 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 there's a lot to it. Like it's, it's not just about the appearance it's it's about the fact like yes self-care but then also like what are we going to do together like for me a saturday is a like going for a run or like taking a yoga class or you know taking a cooking class like those things are really important to me and if the guy i'm with it doesn't appreciate that or understand that it makes it difficult like and they if they don't also if they don't understand like i'm going to go to the gym and i might be there for two hours like what are you going to do and that's how I think the more practical things don't really work if you have two people that aren't taking care of their health. Yeah, exactly. And then I don't want somebody eating pizza and tacos around, you know, like you don't need the temptations. So if someone's, you know, really unhealthy, then that would be difficult because I can't have that stuff in my house. Like I can't have <laughs> chocolate or like chips. I will eat them. Like it's just, it's yeah. too tempting for me. So I, I have to be very disciplined. Like everything in my house is healthy. So Yeah. Nice. But that's a good question. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the um, always a big issue in relationships. So people, someone's been, you know, two people have been together for a long time, and all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden. Maybe it's been a, a slow dec- decline. But one partner starts letting themselves go, mm-hmm. right? Or you know, not not worrying about their health. Maybe not exercising. Not eating right. Yeah, they're starting to gain weight. They're starting to not become as physically attractive. Maybe they don't have as much energy. How do you deal with that issue right now? Some people might say, I don't want to answer the question for you, that you know there might be issues of like depression or things like that, which certainly be- becomes its own issue, and you would have to seek medical, I guess, you know, medical help for that. But uh, maybe in general, 
Mm-hmm. How do you how do you broach that subject when you say to your partner, look, I'm not as attracted to you. I'm not as happy with you. You know, we're not doing the stuff right. You're gaining weight. You're not in shape. You're not fit anymore. And it's it's affecting our relationship. Should you bring that up? How do you bring that up? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, like you said, it really depends on the person. But uh, I think that just like when I said at the beginning, I wasn't I wasn't connected when when I was at my heaviest weight, I wasn't connecting with anything outside of work that I really loved to do. So if I had a partner that was in that situation, I would probably start trying things outside of the norm, like going and doing something together like ballroom dancing, maybe if I could get my partner to dance, but like, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. So I would just try thinking like, okay, what, what does he like to do that maybe he got away from? Like, did he play basketball when he was in high school, maybe joining like a basketball league or did he, you know, uh, maybe it's just getting together with friends and, or really like, I mean, I think finding something you really like to do is key, but it's also, are you really connected to what you want to do in life? And I think a lot of people get into that where they don't care about working out because they're really not stimulated and they're, they're not connected to their purpose. They're not really doing what they wanted to do. They're in a job that they don't like. And so their every day, Monday through Friday is really depressing. And so when, when eight to five just sucks the life out of you, it's really hard to be motivated to go to the gym because you know, you're just, all of your drive is going away. So I think the motivation, I don't know, it's different for everybody, but I would focus on that. I would say, okay, you know, honey, what's your, you know, like you, you always kind of know where your partner really wants to go. Like, I know you wanted to start your business, but what's stopping you or having those conversations and then getting them just be like, well, I'm scared about this or I'm scared about that. And then just trying to help them. I mean, you can't do it for them, but I think, uh, you know, at different parts in my career, if I had had a a spouse along the way that could have said, you know, I know you're having a lot of doubt right now, but I believe in you and just showing that person you believe in them and, and trying to get them, uh, to get, get back to seeing their own worth and value. Because once you see your worth and value and what you can give, then you want to take care of yourself so you can, so you can give back to others. So, yeah, I mean, I would say something fun, giving back to community too, just, going to a homeless shelter. I mean, just sometimes like just helping other people, it just really snaps you out of your, what you think are your problems, you know, like go to a homeless shelter and you're like, wow, you feel like you walk, you go home and you feel like you walked into a palace. I mean, it's just, it's really a, a an amazing mindset shift. So I don't know. I would start with there, giving back, connecting with your purpose, um, maybe going to something like you know, a Tony Robbins conference or something that would shake things up a little bit that you don't have to be the person trying to teach. Cause I feel like when we're, when we become a mother or a teacher or a father or a teacher to our significant other, that's a major buzzkill. It's like, you don't want to be lectured by your significant other. I always tell my girls, don't, don't tell him how to be in the relationship. You're not his mom. And as soon as you take on that role, it's just, it doesn't make anybody feel good. So you have to let each other be who you are. And, uh, because that decision has to come from within. Yeah. And I think that you bring a good point. Like there's a big difference between supporting someone, telling them that you believe in them 
and then trying to like you know that saying like you can't you can bring a horse to water but you can't make it drink like yeah. i'm i'm guilty of being in relationships where i was the one like i was always striving and they i just felt like they they felt like they couldn't you know do what i was doing and it like made them feel insecure and i was like you can do it you could do it you could do it and like at the end of the day like if you don't believe in yourself i, I like i can't be wasting my time and energy and like focusing on you trying to see that there you don't have to be letting yourself go and there there is a passion and a purpose that you have but i guess i guess i i don't know if this is a question or a statement but like i mean i had to realize it on my own you you can't be those relationships aren't serving you in any way and at some point you could be supportive but you can't be like trying to change someone because that's never going to end well mm-hmm. exactly awesome melissa well I didn't know what to ex- expect. Uh, Tony mentioned, oh, we have a uh, dating rela- relationship coach coming on. And I, I was expecting a lot of the uh, a lot of the normal things that that you hear about. You know, you have to, to work on a relationship and you have to have communication and sort of the generic mm-hmm. things that you hear. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the concept of the of the gumball, you know, gumball love which sounds like a fun song. Maybe I'll write a song about the gumball. <laughs> um <laughs> It, it's such a uh, an enlightening concept, and even for for someone like me and uh, for Ryan, and we're in pretty you know pretty strong relationships. Just thinking about people we know, and just you know like our past, it, it's it's really enlightening. And I'm uh, for Tony, I'm, I'm, I bet you it's been. Uh, I've got a lot of lessons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I That's really do. Really like, great yeah. stuff. So you have Thank a you. new website. And you have an academy that you're working out as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, actually. So the academy, I, or I got to a point, uh, like, actually, I've, I've done, this will be my fourth academy. It's an online course that I do with women. So we do it for four weeks. And we do four live classes where we do it as a group. And it's usually a group, probably about 15 women in each group. And so we meet live once a week, but all of the content is pre-recorded. You have videos and audios, and it's basically a crash course in what is gumball love? How do I deal with, you know, everybody comes in, in a different situation. Sometimes you're in the relationship and you're like, I don't know how to get out of it, or I don't even know where to begin. And then sometimes you're, you've been single for a long time. And every time you go on online dating, you end up with the same type of guy. And so Wherever you are, if you're single, you're in a relationship, you're going through a breakup, we, we really try to tackle it from those three angles. But last, uh, at the end of last year, I released the, on, I, with the academy I taught live fully uh, in 2017. But in 2018, I decided at the end of the year, I'm going to pre-record it all. And I, I was like, I need to call this something. And I was actually talking to my sister and I was explaining what I wanted to accomplish. And she goes, you know, what I keep feeling like is it's back to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is. So it's called the back to you Academy where it's like getting back to yourself and learning how it always drove me crazy when people be like, oh, you have to love yourself. Like I just was like, oh, whatever. And I don't even know what that means. Like love myself. What does that actually look like? And so loving yourself is really hard to do when you are consumed by the gumball guy. Like you can know all these facts. I can say all of the words, but it is a process and a journey to unravel this. And some relationships, it could take months. 
I know women that it's taken them years to completely get this guy out of their system. But I want to accelerate that process for women so that they can understand who this guy is, how he got under her skin so deeply where she just feels like he's the only one. Like that's, that's really what you feel like. Like, how can I find anybody else that can measure up to this? Because even though he turned out to be a bad guy, it just feels like nothing else will compare to that experience. And so it's really a difficult process. And I created this academy as a judgment free place where you can admit like, yeah, I've been stalking his Facebook for six months and I feel like a loser. Like, it's like, welcome. You're in the right place. Like, it's okay. We get it. And, or I've been, I'm dating a married guy and I know I'm awful and my family thinks I'm a jerk and I have no one else to talk to, but they don't understand like, why am I obsessing over this married man? What is going on? Like I have a, a heart surgeon that I've coached where she's like, and then the other guy is a heart surgeon and she's like, you know, she's a highly educated woman. She's like, what is wrong with me? It's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to understand what's happened, what kind of guy he is and how to, how to how to see it from a different perspective. It looks like she they needed some heart surgery. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish she told me what she did. I was like, you're really a heart surgeon. Like, I couldn't believe that that's what she did. I was like, how ironic is this? But yeah, I mean, the gumball guy is not, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm just done with blue collar guys or I'm done with white collar guys and I'm, I'm just going to date, you know, or all firefighters or gumball guys. Like, no, there, there is no stereotype They're They're everywhere, but the great guys are everywhere too. And so once you can see this pattern and you can see it so early, like you, the guy walks in on a first date and you're like, oh, gumball. I mean, I, I can get your skills so sharp where you're, you're, even in the first text messages, you'll block before you even meet the guy. I, I can't even tell you how many relationships I've avoided entirely just because I can see it so quickly. And so you end up developing your dream life and you're able to pursue your goals and be free to get back to you. So, Because I believe that when we are fully ourselves, as Oprah says, you're the fullest expression of yourself, that's the best time to meet the right person because then they're seeing this the real you that grew uninhibited, no, nobody trying to keep you small. No one trying to quiet your voice. Like the, the right person will want you to speak louder. The right person will love who you are and what you believe and what you stand for. And that's so liberating. And I know so many women that are with men. I interview them on my podcast. I have a happy couple series kind of interwoven in my podcast because I want girls to hear regular guys that are just doing it right. And it's not bright and shiny sometimes, but they're just consistent, good dudes that are just, you know, they, they love their wives and they love their kids or good family men and that this actually does exist. So it's just helping you get through the messy stuff, finding yourself. And then if you do find a partner, great. But if you, I, I want you to know that happily single life exists and it's perfectly fine and normal to be happily single. You don't have to be married and have kids. Like there's all kinds of different lifestyles you can have. It doesn't have to be in the 1950s, you know, so that's, oh, that's a whole other podcast, but, uh, but that's really what the Academy is designed to do. It's, it's a heavy Academy. I mean, there's a lot of work to do. Um, but I've, I've created a membership program after so that when girls go through the 30 days, they're like, okay, whoa, don't leave me. So then you can, you can stay as a member and continue to go through the Academy each time I launch them so you can stay connected to the group and stay supported because 
that's really what we create as community and support. So you can stay connected to people that get you and you can get through this so you can get on with life. Ultimately, I want people to not need me anymore. I'd be like, you're here, you, we get you fixed up and then I send you on your way and you can pass it on to the next girl. Wow. It sounds like amazing stuff. So I don't, I'm sorry. I don't remember. Did you give the name of that? And if you did, can you give it again? Yes. So it's the back to you Academy. So you can, if you have questions, you can just email me, Melissa at gumballlove.com. And then gumballlove.com will have all this information as well. So, or it's, probably by the time this airs, it'll be done. We're hoping to have a launch, uh, Valentine's day. So, uh, I think we, we're going to try to put this up tonight, special Valentine. So it goes, so it's out by tomorrow. Okay, perfect. So that'll, so, that'll put the pressure on us. It's we, yep. we're just doing finishing touches. So, nice. uh, com should have all the details and, uh, Instagram. I'm the Melissa ledger, T H E Melissa, and then L E G E R. So you can find me there or on Facebook too. It's facebook.com forward slash coach Melissa ledger. Fantastic. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the Gym Wits. This was, yes. it was a really, really fantastic discussion, and we all learned quite a bit, and it's making us really think now. <laughs> also, I know I'm always deep, so everybody's <laughs> like, gosh, Melissa, do you do anything light? I don't do small talk. Everything's deep. So yes. I, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you guys, and uh, I've learned a lot from you as well. I appreciate the support and it's uh, you made my day, so uh, this is awesome. And certainly, I'm sure there's many more topics we could discuss. And you're welcome back anytime. Awesome, thank you so much. All right, Melissa, thank you, and have a great day. You too. Bye bye. All right. So um, when we did our pre kind of interview, we were talking, and somehow politics came up, and she said, uh, "You know, I'd like I like to avoid politics. You know, I love to talk about it myself, but I, I don't mix politics and my my uh, business, which is fair. And I think we try to, you know, for the most part, I think we, it definitely comes up, um, you know, when it does. Uh, but we try to be fairly, you know, neutral because again, it's you know, you're not here to listen to us talk politics. You're here to listen to us talk about uh, the gym. Which that being, and, and so there was a moment. I don't know if you noticed. There was a moment where I just started laughing to myself because I didn't want to bring it up. But when when she started, when she was talking about the uh, gumball guys, and you know, the, kind of the narcissism and all that stuff, I was just like. Sounds a lot like our president. Now, neither of you guys have to respond. <laughs> but, but there were so many little points. So I was like, check, check, check. And all right, that's you it. You know what? There are a lot of people, you know, my, my parents sort of included that like Trump. I didn't say, I didn't, no, I, did, no, no, I made no, 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 no qualification. I didn't, even, it was not no, qualification. No, 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 listen, listen to what I have to say. <laughs> what, like they actually, no, they like him. But they will readily admit that they think he is, you know, a narcissist and he's arrogant. So a lot of people yeah. don't care. No. They're like, look, I don't care whether he's a narcissist or arrogant. I just care whether he does a good job. Yeah. No, but not... A lot of people have that viewpoint. So there's a lot of people who like him who believe. No, that yeah, no, that's the thing. Is I, I'm not saying I, I tried. I didn't really qualify. You know, I'm not, or I'm, I'm not trying to make any judgments on him. I'm just saying that a lot of those traits sounded very eerily similar. Sure. <laughs> and, and, uh, and not only like that. kind of like the, the the part about kind of because he does whether you like him or not. He does like to, you know, the, you know, the kind of even part of those leaks. He likes to hear hear about himself. And yeah. so the way you get it, you, the way you get him to read something or pay attention is to, you know, sure. co- compliment him, talk about him, put his name there. And that that was the part that I was like, yeah, that's a president, yeah. <laughs> whether you like him. Or not. 
So I like how you brought it there, Ryan. Yeah, I, hey, I didn't say anything bad about him. I said I, I yeah, just no, I just no, made just said a fairly objective. Well, he, come on, is he not? He's definitely a narcissist. I have, I have a, quite a few friends that are that like him, and they, they're they'll readily admit it. I mean, he's a narcissist. Good, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, look, if you're a narcissist, that like for for example, um, there there are a few people in, in the race that I I. Might agree would think are are somewhere on that spectrum too, but if uh, if they are for the policies, I'm for. I don't care. So yeah, it's like you can be a narcissist and still be for the right things, you know. So yeah, again, not, no, no judgments. Just saying. <laughs> Tone, have you ever dated a narcissist? Yes, I have. <laughs> My ex. <laughs> Straight oh, up, not not fun. Not yeah, fun. for another podcast for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once I once dated someone who was for a very short amount of time. I thought she might have been. I, I thought she might have been a sociopath, right? Uh. Just uh, just because of it, just felt like she, maybe she wasn't bad. Maybe she wasn't, but they felt like these tendencies where she just it it, it sounded like she she didn't care about anyone like except really herself yeah and right that you know you would never get she could never get sad at anything right or really feel for anyone else i just got that vibe from her she wasn't she never really wronged me in any way but i just got that vibe and that she she had those maybe she had those those tendencies and she worked in a field where it is sort of it's Look, it, it's prevalent in all fields. I, I'm not going to say that, and I'm not a, a researcher, but it, it, it felt like that. You know, it, it felt like that. <laughs> did you break up with her? Or did she break up with you? I sort of. It. it I, th- I think she. I, I, I think she claimed that she wasn't over her ex or something, and that um, she was going to be. She fine. did you a favor. <laughs> yeah, she did me a favor. I wasn't that into her anyway. And look, uh, let's be honest. I was just. It was just. I knew it was a fling getting into it. I was just more annoyed. <laughs> Anyway, because I, you know, normally I'm the one who likes to end those things. Maybe I'm a narcissist. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe I was the narcissist. No, I don't, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. But, um, oh boy. So yeah, no. Um, anything else to add? I thought that was. I I still thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was, whole, it was cool. Right, that that whole concept re- of the, um, you know, of, of the gumball re- is interesting, and like it makes you think. It's like. How many people have we known that are like that? Yeah. yeah, the my the only thing I would I would want to explore, but it would have been, it would have made for a, a bigger podcast is I think that that's the gumball idea. I think applies to everybody, so I don't know that it, it's just you know a specific type of person who has is fixated on that, and then once they don't have it, they leave. I feel like that happens in a lot of relationships, and that's the part that a lot of people need to work on is that you know because because to me the gumball the Gumball, right? I, I keep yeah. wanting to say bubblegum. Yep, yep. The the uh-huh. gumball thing idea is is very similar to the honeymoon idea. You know, when you talk when yeah. you talk about the honeymoon phase of a relationship, sure. I feel like there you it, it's in a lot of ways it's the same thing where you're every relationship um, or most you know especially that start you know you have that phase where just things are great and you just you, you want to see the person and you are kind of high on their their presence and on the time that they get and then there is that period that point where that peters away and so. Um, I'd be interested in maybe exploring, you know, at another time with her, like kind of that idea just for everybody. Because I think then you've maybe the the gumball people are the ones that they don't know how to handle when that that high isn't there. But I do feel like that happens to you know, all, yeah, almost all pe- relationships everyone, and a lot of everyone people. Everyone deals with yeah. that at, at, at one point or another. Yeah. I think it's how you deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, it, was, it was just so funny because she, she was mentioning the uh, the people that 
high that that for online dating, which I have used successfully in the past, and maybe because I'm a decent person, while ninety nine percent of the men are there, I don't know about it. That's once again statistically true, but a lot of them are don't either you know don't know how to text, don't know how to communicate, aren't necessarily great guys. Perhaps it's a good forum for men and women for that matter too to hide behind the profile. And I thought that. And I was just thinking, well, you know, I'm, I got really good at this online dating, and I know that most guys are terrible at it. So I could probably make a lot of money writing <laughs> messages, uh, emails, profiles well, for guys. And I'd just be really, wait a minute, I'd be helping the gumballs. <laughs> but maybe, okay, you know, whatever. Well, well I'll, I'll give you my, gumballs my you'd love I'll to. tell you the strategy that landed my wife <laughs> that I used when I was doing online dating. Well, yeah, Ryan it was flexed his muscles, <laughs> and that was it. All right, no, so close this here's, the, here's the strategy. It's simple, right? If you're a woman online dating, I, and I'm sh- you, uh, so Tony, have you done any online dating? Yes. Okay, so what you you're gonna get bombarded with emails, right? Like you yeah. just you you have more emails. I've than done you the probably apps, count, but right? yeah. But okay, apps or anything. Well, yeah. okay, so when we did it, it was like a match, so, and I'm, I'm I guess apps are probably gonna be yeah. There's a different apps are worse because you're not paying for it. Yeah, but but, you're, but so but either way, you're you're bombarded. There, there's yeah, so you're many messages, people yeah. that it's really hard for any one person to stand out, even if you write a really well thought out nice email you're just going to get caught amongst you know the, there's so much noise there yeah. so my strategy was I'm just going to email whoever signs up like meet first That's so that strategy. I'm the first person one of the first few emails that That's they get because on one of the first few emails I, you know it's okay but if I'm like 86 out of like 700 emails does, like there's no chance they're going to see wait, my wait, email so does she so, listen to this podcast because really the no, the <laughs> right answer was I saw her and no, I well, yeah. that, that no, no, was no, the love of my okay, life yeah, that, that that's too. what happened but right, still I I got lucky that it was like she had just signed on and I think I was like the first or second email she had gotten on it no you just got lucky that she chose you yes I did no both that's all lucky but I she doesn't choose me if if I'm like 92nd amongst you know 300 people so it's true that's just my thought all right (laughs) anyway uh, this is a long episode. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. it. Uh, that was kind of, well. That's kind of been my mission for this year. Is like that the episode a little bit, we have a little, little bit more substance. So if you like listening to us, uh, this is a good thing. If, if you, you don't, if you don't like listening to us, then <laughs> it doesn't really matter because you won't be listening to us. So um, anyway, that's it. Um, Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild. AK. Wait, where? Where's oh yeah, uh, you know where to find us. Uh, right. the, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Thegymwits.com. Uh, that's all, where all of our stuff is. Our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, Twitter, Pinterest, everything, everything. everything. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's it. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell, but uh, Hallmark cards and <laughs> roses and things like that really sell well at this time. <laughs> Tony Marinucci, your registered dietitian, aka Tips with Tony, helping you get healthy one bite at a time. And we are the dinner.